In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. I'd like to welcome you to all our Perseverance Family Conversation. As always, we like to start off our conversation by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary has many beautiful titles. Mary is the Mother of the Church. Mary is the Mother of God. And Mary is the Mother of each and every one of us. So we like to invite Mary to be with us by praying the prayer that she loves most. That prayer is the Hail Mary. We also invoke Mary from the Hail Holy Queen. We like to invite, invoke Mary as our Mary as our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So let's pray the prayer that she loves most, and that's the Hail Holy Queen. Together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now I would like to invite to be with us our spiritual director. And our spiritual director is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has many descriptive titles that can help us to understand more and more his work in the world, in the church, as well as our own lives. Holy Spirit is known as the paraclete. The Holy Spirit is also known as the sweet guest of our souls. The Holy Spirit is also known as The sanctifier. Holy Spirit is also known as our consoler. The Holy Spirit is also known as our counselor. The Holy Spirit is our interior master. St. Paul reminds us with these words, we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans so that we can say Abba. Abba, which means Daddy or Father. So let's invite the Holy Spirit to come and give us a lot of light in our intellect and the fire of love to burn within our hearts. As we pray. Come Holy Spirit through the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. Now shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, it instruct the hearts of your faithful 
by the lay of the Holy Spirit, grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Raphael, pray for us. St. Hilary, pray for us. Saint Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. Saint Francis Xavier, pray for us. Saint Teresa of Avila, pray for us. Saint Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. All God's holy angels and saints, Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So my friends, after praying together, today when I celebrate the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, I'll be placing you on the altar and your intentions. There is actually no greater prayer in the world than the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. That's right. There's no greater prayer in the world than the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. It is the prayer par excellence. So, I'll place you on the altar of my Mass this evening. And I'll offer these following intentions as we lift up Christ himself to the Heavenly Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. First, I'd like to pray that all of us in our Perseverance family would make an effort to be more open to be more open to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps during the course of this day we'll, we'll pray this prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. My second intention, I'd like to pray for your families, for the sanctification of your families. How true it is, that prayer of Father Peyton. <laughs> the family that 
prays together, stays together. How true. To pray especially for your family members that have walked away from God, that they would come back. Today we have a beautiful gospel passage bringing, there's people bringing someone to Christ. The paralytic that's brought to Christ. We're called to bring others to Christ also. So that'll be our prayer. Let's place our family members on the altar and lift up this mat to God that they would recognize that true happiness can be found only in God, not in the world, what the world has to offer. Then my last intention, I'd like to pray a special way for, pray in a special way for The conversion of sinners, but especially like to pray for those who are those who are dying today. In this world of ours, we've got guess between seven and eight billion people in the whole world. There will be people that will be dying today. So let's pray that those who are dying today, perhaps not in the state of grace will open up their hearts to God's infinite mercy and thereby be saved. Jesus says, What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his immortal soul? So those are intentions today. So today is Friday. I'd like to start out with an anecdote and then we'll move into the riches of the Word of God. One occasion, I was taking a little walk in the park, get a little fresh air and exercise, which is good for us. And as I was walking, I mean, I noticed something, I was very curious about something, that as I walked on this path in the park, about maybe 30, 40 steps from me, there was a black bird. I think it was a crow. As I walked closer, the bird was kind of hopping around, but the bird did not fly. They thought, that's interesting. Maybe I have a modern charism of St. Francis with birds. Maybe the bird wanted to greet me. But the bird didn't fly. But then a flock of the crows were descending almost upon me to defend their companion. So what had happened was that that crow... That crow had um, had damaged his wing. Thereby dis- disabling himself to take flight. And then I took flight. Because I didn't want to be attacked by the 
pack of the oncoming, oncoming crows to defend their companion. But that experience triggered in me a reflection that I'd like to share with you on this Friday. And it was this. We are somewhat like that crow. We are called to fly, to soar in our spiritual lives. I think I would ask you, what do you prefer to be, a tortoise, a turtle, or, a, or, a, or, a, or an eagle? Probably most of us would say, I prefer not to be the turtle. I prefer rather to be the eagle. Turtle walks very slowly, plods along, and hides in his shell, whereas the eagle flies high and perches his nest of the pinnacle of the mountain. Very symbolic of our spiritual life. Those who live by the flesh are kind of like the turtle. Those who are led by the Spirit are like the soaring eagle. The eagle, as in the case of any bird, has two wings. That blackbird, that crow, could not fly because he had damaged his wing. So in our spiritual life, for us to soar high in the spiritual life, like the eagle, and not stay on the ground like a tortoise, we must have two wings, but we have to utilize these two wings. What are the two wings in the spiritual life? Those two wings in the spiritual life are prayer and the practice of penance. Repeat, the two wings that allow us to soar on high in the spiritual life are the wings of prayer and penance. So Friday is a day in which the church invites us to meditate upon the passion, suffering, and death of Christ on the cross for us. But also Friday is a day in which we're called to carry out some type of penance. Some type of penance. Our Lord himself said, this is a divine mandate, unless you do penance, you will perish. Meaning, if we do not practice penance, mortification, the ascetical life, 
then most certainly our passions will get a hold of us and we'll become subservient, submissive, and slaves to our own passions. Our own passions. So, today church says we have to carry out some type of penance. Now, see, over the past couple of generations, many people are not even aware of this. So we can maybe do something in one of these three categories. Carry out the church's mandate as well as the divine injunction for us to practice penance. First would be some type of fasting. Traditionally, it's been not to eat meat on Fridays. That would be good. That could be one way. So, we can decide to give up something maybe at the table today. Or it can be in the realm of prayer. It can be in the realm of, of, of that's penance, in the realm of prayer. So if you're not in the habit of going to Mass on a daily basis, okay, you can set aside some time today to go to a daily Mass. And if possible, bring your family. Or another might be Penance, prayer, almsgiving, or some act of charity. Perhaps you know some elderly person, someone who is sick, someone who is lonely someone who's suffering from depression, someone who's struggling economically and emotionally, perhaps you can go, maybe even with your teenage son or daughter, and visit this elderly person. Bring this elderly person possibly a gift, maybe a rosary, maybe a pie, something like that. And this is very pleasing to God because Jesus said, whatsoever you do to the least of your brothers and sisters, this you have done for me. I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was a foreigner and you welcomed me. I was sick and in prison. You came to visit me. When? Whenever we did it to the least of our brothers, we did it for Christ himself. So my friends, let's decide today not to be the tortoise or the turtle. Let's decide that we want to be that eagle. To fly on high. 
But we have to use both of those wings, the wings of prayer and the wing of penance. All right, the first reading today, which is taken from the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 4 and 5, the basic theme is the Word of God invites us to enter into the rest of the Lord. Rest. Now, I'd like to give you two two ideas on this. First, I'd like to quote a parallel passage. It speaks about entering into the rest of the Lord. And it's Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. Jesus says from his sacred heart, Come to me, all of you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, For I am meek and humble of heart. For you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My friends, let us find our rest by resting on the sacred heart of Jesus and by spending time with him in prayer. Making your holy hour is a way in which we can find our rest in the Lord. My second interpretation might be somewhat ironic, but I'll have to say it. There are two places where we can really rest. And that would be the cemetery in heaven. In the meantime, we're all called, my friends, to work out our salvation, to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. To work out our salvation in fear and trembling. One occasion, uh, the great Jesuit doctor of the church, St. Peter Canisius, was working very hard. He was working very hard. One of his friends said, slow down and rest. He said, slow down and rest? And he responded, I will have all eternity to rest in heaven. In the meantime, let's work out our salvation in fear and trembling. So that would be my interpretation of the first reading, Hebrews, which speaks about we're called to enter into the rest of the Lord. The responsorial psalm is Psalm 78. Do not forget the works of the Lord. You may call to mind the works of the Lord in your life. How God has 
worked in your life. And thank God for intervening in your life and helping you in so many different ways. Do not forget the works of the Lord. How great God is, how wonderful God is. And God is working day and night for our salvation. Let's pray that we'll be able to see and be aware of the way that God works in our lives. And be grateful. Give thanks to the Lord for His good, for His mercy endures forever. Then the Gospel today, we've moved from Mark chapter 1 into Mark chapter 2, verse 1 to 12. Now I'd like to summarize the Gospel for today. My style often in explaining the Gospel is I like to I like to summarize the gospel in my own words. Then I like to give I like to give an interpretation, obviously a Catholic interpretation to the gospel, which means good news. And then I like to offer a practical application. So it's summarizing the text, interpreting it, and application. How we can bring the Word of God into our lives. Pope Francis would say to go from the mind to the heart to the feet. To carry out <coughs> this, the Word of God in our daily walk <coughs> with the Lord, like Mary brought Christ to others in the visitation. So Jesus, he has, uh, he's returning to Capernaum after some days. So became aware that he was at home. says, always we see where our Lord is going, he's like a magnet. He's bringing, he brings people to him. People come to him. They feel drawn to him. We should try to do that. Bring people to Christ. Like John the Baptist too. So people are coming to him. So he's in the house and there are so many people that come. There's crowds of people coming. And what happens is this. There is a a paralytic there in Capernaum. A man disabled, unable to walk. But this paralytic, 
is graced with having friends. In this case, four friends. Obviously, the paralytic cannot move by himself, so he depends upon others. And he's got these four friends. They have an idea. Well, Jesus is in town. Jesus is in town. They thought that they would bring this man to Jesus with the hope that Jesus could heal this paralytic. They were placing their hope and trust in our Lord, who is also known as the Divine Physician. That's right, he's known as the Divine Physician. Divine, the, the Divine Physician. So, the four of these men aware that Jesus is, is in Capernaum in this house, they, they, the four of them carry this man on a mat or a stretcher. Obviously, these, these men want what is best for their friend. They have charity towards this friend. St. Thomas Aquinas defines charity as willing the good of the other. So they arrive at the house and they notice right away that the house is so packed it's overflowing with people on all sides. And they're carrying this man on the mat, four of them, Now, what would you have done? What would you have done? Probably most of us, we have to be honest, probably most of us would have decided, well, we chose a wrong day, a wrong time, a right place to bring this, our friend, to our Lord. Maybe we'll come back tomorrow morning. Well, we'll find out where he's going to be next week and we'll try to approach him. Probably most of us would have reasoned that way and probably given up hope to see him under those circumstances. Probably using, using reason and common sense. That was not the case with these four men. So they sized up the situation and they had an idea. Maybe one of them had the idea. The four thought, well there's no way we're there's no way we're gonna get in through the front door because it's blocked with so many people. The people will get angry at us. They tell us to get out. 
So this was the idea. To climb up on the top of the house where there was a thatched roof. And then to remove part of the roof, the thatch roof, the tile, the mud, the covering. In other words, we had to, they're going to have to break through the roof, basically kind of ruin the roof. And then we'll have to lower him down in front of Jesus. That's the only way in which we'll be able to arrive at him. Now, try to imagine this. I've tried to imagine this over the years. I don't have a absolute clarity, but your imagination is probably just as good as mine. They would, they would obviously have to have a ladder. This is one story. Thanks be to God it was not a, a ten-story building as they have in New York. So they had a ladder. There would be a ladder to be able to get up on the roof. Then they probably had like ropes or a pulley to to sustain their friend. And they had to kind of jockey him up. So four of them had to work as a team. There's an important concept, my friends, teamwork. Often those who win championships in baseball or football or basketball, it's not always that they have always the best players but they know how to work well as a team. The offense and the defense, they work, whether as a, they work well as a team. We should cultivate what is called spiritual teamwork. Being able to work well as a team to bring people to Christ. So they're jostling and jockeying their friend up the ladder, on the mat. Now once he's arrived on the roof, they're going to have to open up the roof. Then they'll have to lower him down to a, like a primitive pulley system with these ropes. So let's uh, utilize our contemplative mode, our imagination. Let's try to enter into the scene and as St. Ignatius says, to derive fruit. To derive fruit from this. <clears throat> so they've got to remove the thatch, loosen the tile, loosen the stucco, Loosen the, the hardened clay that constituted the roof. <clears throat> now imagine this, Lord, the Lord is there and the, 
the hay, the dirt, the clay. It's all coming down, raining down on our Lord. As well as the other people. Now probably a lot of the people were complaining. Being filled with dirt and dust and clay. They were probably not happy campers. Probably not happy campers. But I can imagine our Lord looking up with a big smile on a big smile on his face. So as he's lowering down this paralytic, lowering down this paralytic, imagine the joy of Jesus. Because he came to save the lost sheep. He came to heal the sick. He came to give sight to the blind. And hearing to the deaf. So it's a, it's a fascinating scene. Somewhat comical too. And you really admire. You admire the creativity of these four men. You admire their hard work. You admire their initiative. You admire their perseverance. I think we can learn a, learn a lot from these four men, the four friends. And as Opus Dei always insists, the importance of cultivating good friendships. How important it is for us to cultivate good friendships in our spiritual life. Good friendships. So as they're lowering him down, Jesus looks up and he's surrounded by a lot of people. And you always have these scribes and Pharisees that seem to be close to the Lord, always ready to criticize him almost every step along the way. And Jesus looks up and he says to the man on the on the mat, the paralytic, he says, Child or my son, your your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Look what's happening now. This man is physically paralyzed. He's a physical paralytic. But like all of us, he's a sinner. Look at the hierarchy of values that Christ has. First, our Lord is concerned with his soul his immortal soul, and then he's concerned with his body. 
I repeat. First, our Lord is concerned with his soul. Then our Lord is concerned with his with his body. I think that's a lesson for us. In our lives, we are a composite being of body and soul. But Jesus says, do not fear those who can destroy the body and cast the soul into hell. So we should always have a hierarchy of values where our soul is of, of paramount importance. As Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? A whole world and loses his soul in the process. So Jesus, he looks beyond the mere physical. He looks into the heart of this man. That's right. He looks into the very heart of this man and he says, and he says, your sins are forgiven. So Christ can read our souls. He can read our hearts. He sees us from within. Even the, most, even the most secret arcane intentions hidden in the very inner recesses of our hearts, Christ knows us. He knows us through and through. She says, your sins are forgiven. Aren't those words very beautiful when we go to confession? My daughter, your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. What consoling words. My son, your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. What peace of soul we experience when we receive absolution in the context of the sacrament of God's mercy and confession. What do you think? How consoling. Now with this, Now with this, you always have these these chismosos, these criticones. It's like a two standards. You've got the good, the good friends, and the paralytic. Then you have those who are surrounding our Lord, who are very critical. And even... Even before they open up their mouths, even up before they open up their mouths, Jesus knows what they're thinking. He knows what's in their hearts. He knows that they're thinking negative of him. He knows that they're thinking, who is this man? Who is this man? who presumes to be able to forgive sin, this is blasphemy. They're thinking in their hearts. In their reasoning, only God has the power to forgive sins.
And of course, right now, these men, these men are not aware that Jesus Christ is God. They're not aware of this. Jesus is the Son of God made man. So my friends, be aware of this. That Jesus, he knows your thoughts. He knows your feelings. He knows your heart. He knows your soul. So we should try to always live with this awareness. To live in the presence of God. Aware of the fact that the loving eyes of God are focused upon us. The loving eyes of God are focused upon us and he, what God wants what's best for us always, at all times and places. So Jesus responding, he's responding to the thoughts and the hearts of these Pharisees who are already condemning him. He responds by saying, which is easier? Which is easier to say to this man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. So to prove to you that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins. He said to this man, Get up, take your mat, and go home. So there, in the presence of all these people, and these Pharisees that were condemning our Lord, this man, this paralytic, who came carried by four of his friends on a mat, immediately, immediately gets off the mat. He stands on his feet and he walks right out the door toward his home. This was done in the presence of these critical Pharisees, experts of the law, and the people were dumbfounded. And it says they were all astounded and glorified God by saying, we have never seen anything like this. They glorify God. We've never, never in our lives have we seen anything like this. Never in our lives have we seen anything as astounding as this. This paralytic who entered the scene totally paralyzed. And there he is walking out of this house to his home on his own feet, his own legs, which he was totally dependent upon people before. It's a, 
It's a very, very beautiful passage, my friends. And I told you yesterday that our Lord's public life, our Lord's public life, which lasted only three years, can be divided into three different activities. Be aware of this as we go through the Gospel of St. Saint, of Saint Mark. His abundant preaching, as we saw him preaching in the synagogue there. Also his exorcisms. We saw during the course of the week our Lord casting out demons. But also our Lord carrying out miracles. Miracles of healing and miracles over nature. And the reason for these miracles were for this reason. This we read in St. John chapter 8. He said to the people, If you do not believe, if you do not believe in my words, at least believe in my miracles. Because only God can carry out miracles. So, my friends, I'd like to offer you several, in, several, several ideas on how we can implement the Word of God into our own lives. I said, I'd like to give a summary of the passage and interpretation and how is, how can the Word of God be applied to our own lives? Number one is this. Number one is this. We all know people in our lives perhaps family members that are spiritual paralytics. We all know people in our lives that they're spiritual paralytics. By this I mean sinners who are paralyzed and they cannot walk spiritually. They're paralyzed by their sins. They're paralyzed by their sins. Most likely some of your adult children. Name it, claim it, and tame it, as we say. Now, like these four friends of this paralytic, they carry this poor paralytic to the source of all healing and grace, the divine physician, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
even today, bring these spiritual paralytics to Christ. What is the mat? What is the mat? Well, the spiritual interpretation of the mat would be to place them on the altar. Place them on the altar. And when they celebrate the holy sacrifice of the Mass, place them on the altar in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. So when the priest lifts up the host, these individuals will be will be lifted up to Christ, the divine physician. But this has to be said. We live in a frenetic, nervous, anxious society. We're influenced by it that we want things to happen quickly. We want things to happen quickly. I call it the microwave spirituality. We want it right now. We want things to happen quickly. We shouldn't be we we shouldn't be discouraged and give up when we encounter problems. It's like when you're driving there's a roadblock, a detour. Well, you have to take another route to arrive at your destination. There are roadblocks, there are detours in our spiritual life. Thanks be to God for the GPS system. can reroute us or redirect us. So if it happens that we're praying for the conversion of our son and daughter... And the conversion doesn't come about overnight. I think we have to follow the example of these four friends of the paralytic. Not to give up. But to persevere. And not only to persevere, that all of us, John Paul II, entering into the new millennium, said we should pray for an apostolic creativity. That we would be apostolically creative and innovative. Not to be afraid, not to, be afraid to utilize new methods to bring souls to Christ to drop the nets in other waters, to look for the lost sheep in other places, not to be stodgy or stultified or stagnant in our apostolic life, but be willing to undertake new initiatives. The Holy Spirit is a God of creativity.
Being keenly aware of my friends, one soul is worth more than the whole created universe. So we're called to bring these paralytics to Christ. We're called to be patient. We're called to persevere. We're called to a certain creativity. We're called not to give up, but to trust in God and to trust in His timing because our clock is not the same clock as God's clock. So let's pray that Jesus Christ the divine physician would heal the many paralytics that we know in our own lives and even help us who limp along the way to walk more firmly following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. May Mary help us too. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.